Hello, everybody. Welcome to the second episode of the Grand Awakening podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. Um, it's someone I personally consider sort of an indirect mentor, has taught me a lot through his content on how to think and even how to approach my own life through certain frameworks. And uh, yeah, I'm very happy and privileged to have you on today. Uh, my guest is none other than only uh, Yusuf, also known as XP. How are you doing today, brother? I'm doing great, man. I really appreciate this uh, opportunity. Awesome, bro. Awesome. So first thing I want to ask you, and I know you've talked about this before, but what is the meaning behind your name, XP? Good question. Um, the XP is pretty much, I mean, a lot of people will know it's a video game term. So whenever you do things, you get experience points and that's how you sort of level up your character. And use is just pretty much the first half of my name, but at the same time, it also kind of also means you. So use is sort of the plural or saying like you all in uh, other languages. So yeah, it's the meaning behind it. Love it. Love it. Um, so you, you've you been into uh, sort of, I know you, you've been into community building and video games ever since you were very young. Um, could you sort of give me a eye level birds, a bird's eye view on you from that time period up until now and, you know, just give me sort of a history behind use. Yeah, good question. I mean, ever since a, a young age, I was involved in video game communities of all sorts. And it's very interesting. And I think it's cool to look at how you were behaving and things you were doing when you're young. And back then, I just always found myself in a position of being an important part of a community within the game or leading the clan or the crew which is interesting and that gave me a lot of the experiences i have today so various video games i played as a kid and i ran forms and communities and i mean when you play these games there's so many parallels to real life like managing your money and working with people so i think that gave me a very unique advantage for life ahead that's awesome. That's awesome. How do you think that has sort of impacted you or impacts you now in your current ventures and everything that you're doing? I think it shapes a lot of it. I think what we do when we're young shapes a lot of who we are as we're older. And the skills I learned there and just things I learned about myself, working with all these people and running communities and selling products and all sorts of different things even back then i would i would make youtube videos and stuff so yeah i've been involved with social media from a young age and i think i i, I think that gave me a, a, a sort of advantage or head start for when it came to marketing because business had very similar parallels and here's a really sort of key insight that has helped me a lot and because of that experience it always made my focus people first which I feel like should just be the default per or like purpose or objective that everybody has because people buy products 
everything you want has a person involved. When you're in a relationship, there's somebody on the other end. So when thinking about people first, it totally changes everything as opposed to thinking about yourself first. I see. So you, you, you touched upon there a, a very good point that I want you to sort of go deeper on is, and it's about really, you know, having a people's first perspective, how, because I know you've, you, a lot of the things I'm going to ask you, you've already touched upon it to some extent, but like, I know you have this sort of um, perspective of making yourself compelling instead of trying to convince others of your value, if that makes sense. And how do you sort of integrate that with having a people's first um, sort of point of view, if that makes sense? Yeah, this is a great question. It's something I touch on a lot. And it's what I say is be compelling instead of being convincing. And It applies in all areas of life. So let me give you an example. Let's say somebody's making $2,000 a month and they go and buy a car that's $600 a month. So they get that car so that they could convince people that they're well off, that they're doing a lot, but it really stops the process of him being able to become more compelling because in order to maintain that result of having that $600 a month car on a $2,000 a month salary, limits his resources. It's going to take a lot for him to pay for that car. Pretty much all the hours he's working goes to paying that car. So the way to explain it, I feel, is people sort of have a tendency, and I've noticed this in myself as well in the past, which is how I learned this, to cash out too soon. And what I mean by that is if your best performance and you're just totally on point, like if your best performance is required to meet the expectation, then you're not going to make the team. It's when your worst performance, your worst days, your floor is still able to deliver results and meet the expectation that you're truly at a level to play that game, if that makes sense. Yeah, makes perfect sense, bro. Um, how does one become more compelling there's a lot of ways and to touch also on what i just said the floor the bottom is when you really should start playing the game here's what i mean by that so let's say four years ago i could have put out a book technically it would have been just good enough and If I really exerted all of my effort and focus and power, I could have done something that was good enough. But instead, I kept working on myself, working on my writing and things of that nature so that my floor is now at that level and my best performance is now way above that. And now is more likely the time to consider putting out the book and putting out content of that nature. And pretty much as boring as it might sound, it's sticking to the same thing or taking one idea and taking it very seriously as Charlie Munger would say. And it's really just not leaving the training ground too soon. To put it in video game terms, 
if you're a level 60 and the sort of boss monster that has the prize you want is a level 80, you can beat that level 80 monster, but it's going to take all of your resources, all of your focus. It's going to take your best effort. And even then you still might not be able to do it. So what being compelling versus convincing is, is staying in the training ground. So instead of being a level 60 fighting a level 80, you stay on the training ground until you're a level 200. Then the level 80 or whatever the thing it is that you want is so easy for you to do. It doesn't even take your best performance. Even your worst performance is still able to get that result. The way you break that down is beautifully, beautifully put, man. Um, (laughs) I, you know, this, this resonates a lot with me as well, because I also come from that world, you know? So what you're really saying is for someone to commit to something fully and stick with it for long enough, just to see if one it's, you know, what they should be working on. Right. Because I think, only through experimentation can we get a true sense of who we really are, right? And basically stick with something for long enough to see if that's what you want to move with. And after making that measurement or, you know, judgment, commit to it and stay there and stay keep improving up until a point where you don't, you no longer sort of have to exert huge amounts of energy to get sort of the opportunity that you're looking for. And instead the whole process becomes a lot easier. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I mean, the simple way I like to describe it is just becoming the person where it's just blatantly obvious that that result would be in your life. Like you want it to be where it would be more weird if the result wasn't in your life based on the actions you've taken. You don't want it to be like some miracle that you got the results. You want it to be like, oh yeah. I mean, it took, let's say 400 is, let's say for example, there's an Instagram theme page and you want to build something similar and you see it took them 400 posts to build a hundred thousand followers. So if you were to post 700 posts and didn't have a similar size brand, then it would be weird. That's sort of what I mean is it's so blatantly obvious that you would have that result in that life, in your life, based on the actions you've taken. And if you didn't have the result, that would mean something is wrong. And that's sort of how you want to stack the odds in your favor. But the sort of topic we're on is interestingly diving more into purpose. And that's where things get well, I feel right now kind of confusing for people because what we just said is take an idea very seriously and stick with it long-term and be consistent with it. But that is not the starting point. That happens when you are more clear on your purpose. Ironically, you do the exact opposite to get more clear on your purpose. You try everything until you find that something that is your something that you want to give everything to. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing, right? It's everything as sort of a, a, a two side um, spectrum, right? It's, it's a, 
because as you said like you could take like someone could listen up until that point and just take that advice blindly and then they they'd be like wait this doesn't make any sense i feel miserable because i'm doing something that doesn't align with me at all and i i putting that on those terms why do you think that sort of a lot of people aim to go at things from a place of of lack and and why do people sort of put in more work to appear like they're so, give the perception that there's something instead of putting the, that exerting that same amount of energy into actually becoming the thing that they're trying to give the perception that they are good question it all starts with the inception the original intention and that dictates every action going forward it's like the foundation of a house like whatever the foundation is what you build on top of it must reflect that foundation and this might be hard for people to swallow <laughs> um but oh. the original the original intention the original inception behind most expressions is negative and siphoning so what i mean is if we're being real the reason most people get into business is because they want money and if we go even deeper than that it's not even money they want it's money more so symbolically signifies recognition significance it perceived value and worth and if we go even deeper all that reflects is am i good enough am i not good enough am i valued am i not valued am i loved am i not loved and that is the original inception as opposed to starting a business because you have something so good to share that you have to share it a simple example of that is let's say somebody has i don't know back problem or knee problem and all the doctors couldn't figure it out and he refuses to accept that and then he develops his own way to solve it and that is an example of an inception point where he's just so excited to share this solution with other people and the money is then sort of the secondary side effect yeah that sounds like me on this podcast to be honest <laughs> um so what you're saying really is that most people are sort of do things do things from a place of overcompensation for their own personal deficiencies if that makes sense Yeah, and it's not necessarily because they're good or bad or selfish. It's just a deep unconscious process trying to find a way to get what it needs, trying to find a way to get what it lacks. In order to give something, you have to have something. And if you don't have something, that means you're attempting to get something in exchange for nothing. So if a person doesn't have anything to give and they start a business because they need money, they will design a system in which the person on the receiving end receives little to no value and the person running the business receives the majority of the value it's a zero sum game and the reason why you see all these complex strategies and all this nonsense is to cover up the truth if you have what people want all you'd really do i mean obviously you learned some marketing and stuff like that um to do 
the product you've created justice. But if you have what people want, you just say, hey, I have what you want. It's when you don't have what people want, you need all this complexity and these funnels and these sequences and all this stuff to sort of progressively get them to slowly build on this realization that you might possibly have what they need and what they want is my opinion on why all this complexity takes place. And that stems from what we were just saying, which is the original inception point of starting the business or anything really like trying to get a date or trying to get in shape comes from a place to get something they don't have. If that makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense to be honest. So I want to, um, touch upon that point and talk about one of the pieces you wrote. Um, and it's the piece that revolves around impossible equations, right? Um, and where people sort of add more baggage and more, um, again, more baggage, more complexity, more, um, sort of unnecessary things to the original equation. And I want you to sort of touch upon that. And why do you think people do that? And, you know, I want you to sort of break down the, it, there's something you said that business is simply supply and demand at a profit, but then people add more stuff into that. And that's, again, one of the major reasons why most people fail and uh, why, again, as you said, all this complexity exists. And I'd love you to talk a bit more about that. Yeah. And I believe pretty much all complexity or a lot of complexity really stems from insecurity. If, again, if you have what people want, we're again talking in, actually we can talk in multiple senses in the dating sense in the business sense in the friend sense if you have what people want if you spent that time to become compelling instead of rushing out there and trying to convince people you aren't really doubting like your ability to do it and trying to like find ways to trick people into thinking that you have what they want and I want to put this as clear as possible, although it could be complex. What I'm really getting at is, again, we said that the reason people start most ventures is a way to supply things that they lack. And the less you need, the more you have. And when I say that, people think that means like lowering your ambitions or something like that. It really just means all the things that you don't need that are getting projected onto the equation. So to the article you mentioned, a business is simply supplying demand at a profit. But then people project other things on there because the whole reason they got into business in the first place was to supply those things. So the original equation, all you need to succeed in business is supply, demand at a profit. But what do people also project on there? I don't want to look uncool and I want to look cool and I don't want to be rejected and I don't want to be criticized and I don't want all these things because those things are the baggage that come with the original inception the reason they want the money 
the reason they want the outcome is for those things they're projecting in the equation to look cool, to feel significant, to get recognition. So the brain is projecting that into the equation of supply, demand, data, profit, and it applies all these other conditions which get in the way. Whereas the person who already has something, has the solution, is already benefiting from it, all of these things don't get added to the equation. He's already reaping the benefits of the solution. And his number one priority and focus is really just to deliver that solution. Yeah, makes perfect sense. So let's say, let's say, you know, there's a young guy just fresh out of teenage years, right? Let's say he's 20, 21. And he has, has dealt with all these things throughout these years that uh, sort of created these deficiencies in his self-worth and all of that good stuff. Let's say you're at that starting point, right? Where you basically have nothing. Like it's like the start of a video game. You start out with nothing. What would, in your opinion, be the best approach in terms of, you know, um, sort of getting to that place where you're only doing things out of the reason that you actually want to do that thing instead of it being uh, ev- uh, sort of a avenue or um, a way to supplement for the lack of things that you don't have, which if you're at the starting point, you don't. Um, how would you, you know, approach that situation, if that makes sense? Yeah, the, the problem is with these sorts of questions, typically what's expected are things which will alleviate the symptoms. But the way I like to process things is let's just go straight to the heart of the matter. Let's go to the root. All of those symptoms are side effects of a much larger cause, in my opinion. And that would be the absence of having purpose. Because when nothing matters, everything matters. So when you have purpose, everything, like all the significance goes into that purpose. When you don't have purpose, that slot is empty. And then every little petty thing can slide into that. What are people thinking about me? Am I cool? Am I not cool? So many different things are attempted to be used as a measure in the absence of purpose. When there is purpose, the measure is very simple. Am I serving my purpose? Did I do what I needed to do today? All the other things are bonus. And it's a very, very strong frame to come from. And I mean, I've experienced it myself through periods of not having purpose and then the contrast of having it. Really, the only measure is I'm just here to do my job. I have a part to play. Am I doing that job? It's not really my, it's not my job to get you to like me. It's not my job to be the coolest person on earth. Are those possibilities when you're living your purpose? Absolutely. And here's the key distinction. It's the side effects of purpose, like the cool car, the cool house, the money, being cool, getting recognition and significance. These are all side effects of having purpose. 
But in the absence of purpose, chasing those side effects becomes the purpose, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's just one of those classic Hughes moments where it's just like an epiphany. Wow. Um, so basically, just when you don't have a purpose, which could be very easy to get caught up upon, especially when you're starting out with nothing, right? The best thing to do is to simply set out with an intention of finding that. And that in experimenting with things from that sort of point of view, whereas, okay, I might not have a purpose right now, but I'm going out there and I'm going to experiment with a bunch of things for the sole sake of finding that. And then when I finally find that, I will give it my entire energy and resources to it. Is that a good way to put it? Yeah. And just to also make sure I'm like really hammering home the point, because again, I've experienced the contrast and it's crazy. So in the absence of purpose, that slot is empty. So there's no way we have to measure ourselves. Am I good enough? Am I doing a good job? Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? It's just this gigantic chaos in which anything can become the purpose at any moment. And I remember it so clearly, just the stupidest things would have overinflated significance and meant everything to me because I didn't have the one thing that meant everything to me. So then everything meant everything to me. So if someone wouldn't text back fast enough, if, I don't know, I was like, had a bad day or someone responded weird to criticism, it had this like irrational effect. And I feel a lot of people can relate to that. Like logically looking at it, you shouldn't be this annoyed by such petty little things. And it's because the mind is unconsciously trying to find a way to measure itself. Am I doing a good job? Am I a good person? Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? All of that gets settled when you slide that block into purpose. Because then the only, the thing that matters that has the most significance is, did I do this today? Am I serving my purpose? Am I doing that? All the other things that people want are bonuses. And they're so likely to come when you are serving your purpose. Now, to answer the point you made, again, life has so many ironies and paradoxes. And one of them being the way that you find your purpose and discover it it's also it's not a light switch it's not an on and off thing it's a volume knob that sort of gradually increases or even better it's actually like a veil that covers your sight and it slowly gets thinner and thinner and thinner the more experiences you have so ironically i know how i said in the absence of purpose chasing the side effects of purpose becomes the purpose but ironically, that is the way you discover your purpose. As long as you are doing things with a purpose, so the intention to get fit, the intention to make money, the intention to, I don't know, sleep with a lot of girls, it still will teach you things. It'll teach you what you like. It'll teach you what you don't like. And this is the most important thing that if I could go back, I would maybe tell myself and that would be nothing is wasted time as long as you're developing. Because no matter what, even if you were to somehow 
magically discover your purpose tomorrow, you still need skills to make it happen. You still need to be able to communicate. You still need to be able to proactively do things. You still need good habits. You still need good routines. As long as you're developing good habits, good routines, good insight, good skills, none of it is a waste of time. And I, in a way, it actually will kind of, not kind of, but really, at least for me, I'm trying. The reason I'm pausing is because sometimes I like to think, does the situation only apply to me or does it apply to everybody? So I pause and make sure I'm not projecting a bias on it. But after reflecting on it, I think I can say it applies to everybody. At least the people I've observed and myself as well is those things that you did, those jobs you worked, those gigs, those businesses, whatever it is you were doing before you were more clear on your purpose. It's The funny thing is the skills that you picked up there were essential for the purpose and you actually needed to get those first because if you knew your purpose from day one you would be very you would be one dimensional you would just do that and you wouldn't really have any supplementary skills and you'd be poorly developed which is a problem because let's say your back and biceps are able to do 20 pull-ups but your forearms and grip give out at nine then you only get nine so let's sort of akin the back and biceps to your purpose okay, boom, it's 20. But if the complementary skills required to make it happen are a nine, then the overall output is nine, even though you're capable of 20. So those experiences before I'm assuring that it is not a waste of time, think of it like developing the grip strength, the forearms, the core strength, all of it plays a part into actually being able to serve your purpose. That's Awesome. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like, I think it's just um, sort of a, a trial of passage that if you ever want to get anywhere of significance in your life, you just have to, you know, suck it up that basically there will be a period of your, t- of your life that you're just going to have to you know, figure it out and go through the uh, ventures and, you know, not be in the ideal place that you'd like to be, but basically accepting that as sort of um, for what it is, right? For just a stepping stone into basically getting to that point where you find out you find out exactly what it is that you want to do. And because you went through all of that, now you have the necessary resources and skills to not only, you know, commit to the thing that you actually want to do, but to basically accelerate it exponentially because you now know a lot of things that you learned somewhere else, but, probably overlap and are applicable to the thing that you want to do if that makes sense um well there's actually a huge problem so i need to address it and that would be how do i want to put this because this is it's kind of a heavy topic yo yo go ahead man that's what we're here for <laughs> so part of the reason you forget why you're here on this earth and why you forget all the other stuff that happened before is so that you take the game seriously 
If you knew you were playing a game, you wouldn't take it seriously. So we're programmed in such a way where we take it seriously. Even if we logically comprehend the aspects of the divine or all of that, whatever you want to refer to it as the universe, cosmic aliens, whatever you prefer, even if you logically and conceptually understand that, you are still programmed in such a way to where you will always take the game seriously. Meaning if you break your leg, it is going to hurt. It is a very real thing. And so the problem that I want to make sure we calibrate to with what I just said is, or what I said earlier is the funny thing, again, the whole irony is every time I did something, I thought it was the purpose in that moment. And it just became less and less ignorant and more and more calibrated to who I was. And here's sort of the best way to put this. The first things that you're going to desire are pretty much going to totally be what society has made cool. So you're going to want the cars, you're going to want the chicks, you're going to want the money, the house, zero consideration about who you are and what you actually want is usually the first things that people desire. So you go after those things and you get experiences and that is crucial. This is also part of the whole XP and use XP is getting these experiences. Because after you do that, you'll have some success in some areas, you'll fail in some areas, but more importantly, you learn something about yourself. You learn what you like, what you don't like, what you're good at and what you're bad at. You're now one step closer to making decisions based on what you actually want and who you actually are, which is, I guess, a sort of quote that people have really resonated that I've said is, don't design yourself for a career, design a career for yourself. So what I'm ultimately saying is the first things that people will go after they are not even considered in the equation. And again, it's just coming from a place of lack. Getting those things people believe holds the salvation. When I get that, then I will be happy. When I get that, then I will be happy. And again, even saying this, I can already tell. People are going to be like, oh, that just means give up ambition and be lazy. And that, no, that's not at all what it means. Not even close. But again, to sort of clarify, hopefully I'm not being too scattered, but then the next thing you do is going to have a little bit more of you in consideration. So you're going to be like, okay, I'm actually better at this and I don't like this. So the next thing you attempt will be more so aligned to you. So you'll do that and then fail in some areas, win in some areas, learn some lessons. Now you know more about yourself. And then the next thing you attempt is going to be even more with you in mind. And gradually and gradually and gradually through these experiences, you invert the whole thing. So in the beginning, you make all the decisions based on things outside of you. And then you go through it, which I'm, there's a quote, the only way out is through. It's sort of like, <laughs> I, this is the only thing I can think of, but a condom. Like you put your hand through a condom and then it inverts. And now it's going the other way when you go all the way through. So on the inverted side, now it's the opposite. Every decision you make is now stemming from the core of who you are. And that is when you have, once you sort of cross the threshold of 50% is when the majority of your decisions are based on who you are. And then you decide what you do. So I like to think of it in terms of percentages. Like I said earlier, it's not a light switch, like on or off, you just know what you're going to do. It's you gradually know yourself more 
and then make decisions more aligned with what you actually want and not what you've been trained to want or learned to want, but what you genuinely want and what you're genuinely here to do. And again, it's a percentage. So it's not like this day and night thing, but typically as that crosses the threshold of 50%, that's sort of a significant point in which more than half of the decisions you make and the thoughts you think are based on who you really are. A hundred percent. I think that's, that's, you know, the way you broke that down is amazing. And I think it's very useful as well to, you know, to the people that basically have not reached these conclusions yet. Um, and th that's one of the things I like the most about you is how you write and speak and sort of create content and communicate a lot about the things that basically were you, like not in the present moment, but a few years back, maybe before. And I think that's why so many people resonate with you as well and the content you put out, because like re regardless, I think we all go through sort of similar experiences not in the not in the literal sense where we're doing sort of the same thing but the conclusions that we reach are very similar in a sense and that's one of the things like like speaking to that for example there's one thing you wrote about that really resonated with me and sort of made me like ha huh, where you talk about sort of the acceptance aspect and submission to possibility, right? Whereas at some point in my life, um, I was like very, you know how it goes, right? You, you've also talked about this, this is when sort of like a three-part process where first you're sort of unaware, sort of childlike unaware, um, and you go out and experiment when in your innocence And then you get hurt and basically hurt turns into bitterness and you sort of lock yourself away for a time and you're just trying to understand why such a thing would happen to you. And then you come to accept that and basically live with the awareness. And now you have sort of a, uh, sort of a guide and a framework that you live by and now everything's a lot easier because you have that awareness and it no longer personally affects you but you do have the awareness and you're much like every decision in that regard becomes a lot easier and i sort of want to touch upon that in the sense that like you because you do like to talk about like the alpha influencers and like all of these people telling you that you need to be like this sort of tough guy, you know, and you have to sh shut yourself down and um, focus on your, on yourself. And some of that advice is legitimate. Right. But I sort of want to you to touch upon like sort of become like, gaining strength and power to the acceptance of possibility of possibilities. 
Yeah, like what specific aspect do you mean? So let's say, you know, like the, the people are afraid, right? Um, and people, again, as you said earlier, they, they want to, you know, they want to avoid being humiliated or rejected and all that stuff, right? And there's one thing you've talk, talked about, where, which is like just sort of ironically letting go of all of that is what will get you focused, right? And I sort of would like you to touch upon that, how, you know, accepting the possibility of failure is ironically what, you know, makes you be more committed and therefore, and more focused and therefore the, the possibility of failure shrinks because you're not, your full focus in, is on achieving the outcome. Yeah, um, I guess a simple way to explain it as one example to kick it off would be think about like shooting a basketball free throw or a goal in soccer. The When you're just playing with friends, it's a pickup game. It doesn't matter when you don't care. There's only one thing going through your mind, and that's just score. Like it doesn't even cross your mind. Ooh, what, if, what if I miss? What if I don't score? Because there's no stakes. There's not really any significance. But then all of a sudden in the final game, what's actually going across the mind is don't miss. I don't want to let down my coach. I don't want to let down my team. I don't want to let down this. And more than 50%, we could say 80% is focusing on not missing instead of scoring. So how this applies to our own individual and personal lives is fully accepting the possibility of defeat, the possibility of getting hurt, the possibility of failing, the possibility of making a mistake. That way it can just drop and you can allocate 100% of your bandwidth, your power and your focus to just the one thing. And I think it's such a rare thing to experience. Like how often do people just 100% focus on winning? In reality, a lot of it is 90% not losing and 10% winning, and then people get rejected. And I've experienced it myself. So I'm speaking sort of from the contrast of having experienced it. And this is the ironic but beautiful thing about this whole game of life. It is exactly like a muscle. In order to strengthen your heart and to strengthen your intuition, you break your heart and you break your intuition like a muscle. When you go to the gym, you are breaking your muscle. And then it learns from that stimuli and comes back stronger. And when it is stronger, it is capable of doing more things, pushing more weight. So we can link heart and intuition. You're going to feel like you want to do something. You're going to feel compelled to do something. You're going to be, as they would say, following your heart. So you go follow your heart and then you break it you get broken up with, you fail, something happens. And then people think that is a bad thing, but it's just a part of playing the game. It is part of the process. And like we said earlier, it's those experiences that all act as calibration, the orienting response. Again, the more things you do, the more clear in who you are, and then you will know what to do. It's very funny because when you don't know what to do, the way you learn what to do is doing things. It's the, it's the interesting, funny paradox of 
the world. So when you like we said earlier, when you first follow your heart, it's going to be very distorted because you've never done any sort of navigating. The internal compass isn't really calibrated. But fast forward a few years and a bunch of different experiences that you have, now your intuition and your heart is more calibrated. Your heart is stronger, just like a muscle. It's capable of more because you've broken it. So really think about it this way. There's really only two options. Option one is you play the game of life and you break your heart and it gets stronger and you break it and it gets stronger and then you develop your intuition and your compass. But then what's the other option? The other option is to remain with a weak heart, but just hide it. Don't enter situations in which it can be broken. And what people do is some sort of weird, awkward mix in the middle. So they'll go out on the date, they'll go try the business, they'll do whatever. And a lot of them has that they want to protect the heart so it doesn't get hurt. So like they're kind of holding back, they're not really expressing themselves, they're not doing the best they could do, they're not being honest. And then there's another part of the heart that's still trying to follow their heart. So they're still trying to follow their heart, but they're also trying to protect the heart. And it's like chasing two rabbits, you catch none. And you just don't get the intended result. It's like water. Water boils at 100 degrees Celsius. 95 degrees Celsius is not going to cut it. 70 degrees Celsius is not going to cut it. So showing up 50%, just wanting to have a good time on the day, have fun, and then 50% not wanting to get hurt and being terrified, you're just not going to get the result. Yeah, that's, you know, again, the, the, the way you break down these concepts is, is awesome, to be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, okay, so basically just, so what you're saying, okay, now what you're saying, but um basically strive not strive obviously because like it's not sometimes not a great experience but like look forward to sort of getting disappointed and um you know heartbroken uh you know that sort of stuff because at the end of the day it's it's those experiences that will put you on the other side and sort of, you know, um, get you to, you know, to, to be, become more resilient and give you the necessary tools and resources to, you know, have a better intuition and make better, you know, better decisions through your now, more aware and more developed sense of judgment. That's pretty awesome. Um, so I guess that one thing I, I wanted to ask you about is... Yeah, one thing, let me actually just like wrap up that point we were just talking yeah, about because there's like course. an important distinction. Um, I mean, you re there's sort of, how do I want to put this? Like from a young age where we've concluded and a combination of conditioning to avoid failure, avoid rejection, all this, all that. That is how the character we are playing in this game is programmed. But really think about it, not even in my own experience, just look at your own experience. You could do it now, you could do it later. Getting what you want would have been the worst thing that would have happened to you. 
I really am like serious about this. I look back at who I was when I was 19. All I wanted was just like a decent girlfriend and like a $4,000 a month freelancing job. That would have meant the world to me. And no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't get it. And that was the best thing that ever happened to me. If I got with that, that girl that I wanted, and if I got that $4,000 a month freelance job, and I wouldn't develop at all. The whole reason I developed is because every time I would try something, it would fail. And each of those failures taught me something. So you have to thank your enemies. Your enemies are incredible because they expose your weaknesses. And it's exposing your weaknesses, which starts the process of building your strengths. And it shows you who you are, what you want, what you don't want. The worst thing that could have ever happened to me was getting the results I wanted. Yeah, in the moment, oh my God, I was like every typical person, all beating, beating myself up over it. Am I, am I, am I a failure? Is my life over? Why doesn't she like me? <laughs> like all sorts of nonsense like that, but it's the best thing that ever happened. We would not even be having this conversation today. And I'm not even kidding when I say this, like it is scary to think what would have happened if I got what I wanted. Oh my God, I'd probably be, I'd probably be, Cheese, man. <laughs> I'd probably be just, <laughs> I'd probably be overweight. I'd probably just be dumb. I'd probably be like conditioned to what all the people are thinking now. I'd just be normal. It's horrible. So how can, <laughs> how can you hate? How can you fear failure? It's the greatest thing. Do you like I, I want people to really understand this because it's just you can only win. Either you go out on that date and you have a great time and maybe it's temporary maybe it becomes something or maybe you get your heart broken and then you learn something or you you try that business and either you win or you get the equivalent in wisdom every action has an equal and opposite reaction you either get the win or you get the equivalent in wisdom the worst thing that you could possibly do is nothing because then you get nothing you don't have a chance of winning and you don't have a chance of getting wisdom. And that's the thing about life is good doesn't come to you. Every time you want something good, you have to proactively go and get it. Nobody chooses bad things to happen. Bad things happen by doing nothing, by neglecting. So the only wrong thing to do if you want to use right and wrong is nothing. Because we are here to grow, evolve, develop, experience, express, these are all proactive moving things. So, and there really is no wasted effort. As long as you do it with intention, as long as you reflect on your experience, as long as you give it your best. And that's, that's another really important thing. What I mentioned earlier is you have to take the game seriously, even if you know you're playing a game. Even if you know that thing is not actually your purpose, you still have to give it your best effort. Because then that is what grows you the most from it. That's what gives you the biggest lesson from it. If the second you feel any form of resistance, you just tap out and say, this is not my purpose, then it's going to take you forever to find your purpose. The strongest lessons you learn are from the biggest heartbreaks. 100%. I wanted to touch upon something that you said there, which is... so. The, the reflection aspect of it and 
I, I like I sort of want you to give me your view on how to get the best out of your failures, if that makes sense. So we already have one part of the equation, which is commit to the thing, like give it all you got, regardless if it's your purpose or not. So take the game seriously. But on the reflection side of things, like how do you get the best out of your failures? Because if you go into things and you fail, but you don't take a moment to sort of absorb that and, you know, reflect upon that and try to draw, draw out your own conclusions, then you're going to be sort of in a unconscious failure spinning wheel where you're, you're just, you know, you, you've, gain the sort of awareness that failing is actually a good thing and stacking up those sort of experiences is a good thing. But if you don't ever like stop and reflect upon them and gain the awareness from them, you know, you're, you're still going to stay again in that spinning wheel. So I guess what I wanted to ask you is like, how do you sort of approach that? Good question. So there's a few elements to it. Number one is it needs multiple points of data, which again is why I said, don't just jump ship every time you feel resistance. I really like give it a, give it a go, give it your effort. Because you need multiple points of data to identify a pattern. If you just look at one particular instance, there's an extremely high probability that you're just going to overthink it and conclude something stupid. <laughs> um, actually, even before that, there's something, there's a whole pre, pre, prerequisite before that. And that is to make the essential shift in realizing that results don't define you. And that is not just some happy thing to say, <laughs> to be optimistic. How can results define you? They can't. Because if you were to change your actions, you would have gotten a different reaction. So praise, criticism, results, no results, none of that defines you. It defines what you did. And that's the key shift to make is when things happen, or should I say that reactions to your actions, the effects from your causes, what people tend to do, and I know because I've done it myself in the past, is the default, which is use it to define themselves. Oh, I'm not attractive enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not this, this, that. Ridiculous, the whole thing. Because you're not the problem. What you did is the problem. And what you did is the thing to reflect on. And that's where the lesson is. The lesson isn't, oh no, I'm, I'm not smart. No, <laughs> the lesson are the specific things that you did. And you now going back to what I originally started with is patterns. So looking at all the times I did a certain type of activity and noticing the pattern, that is when you really have found wisdom. Like, for example, if you, I don't know, have a bad date and you just really read into it, there's just a really low probability you're going to gauge anything accurate from that analysis. Where the real accuracy is, is maybe 20 dates, for example, and then you notice this pattern. When things go good, there's this factor. When things go bad, there's that factor. Same thing with anything. You need certain amounts of data. Like if you're making content and you're posting things online, 
you post like a hundred things, 200 things, and then you have enough data to see the patterns. And that's where the lessons are in the patterns. Got it. And what's like your sort of reflective process, if you want to call it that, do you have anything specific that you do or is it just um, something off the top of your head that you sit down and just go through? Yeah, it's never been a structured process, but it's been a meticulous process, just purely out of curiosity. Like, I guess it started off as a habit from a younger age of figuring out what went wrong so I could fix it for the next time. So I could get that validation, get that recognition and significance and money. But then that habit eventually became just flat out curiosity. Like, even if I don't emotionally care about why, like what happened, I still am fascinated to know like why it's happening because, and it really, it's like I said earlier. So I developed that habit as a sort of neediness or trying to fix what went wrong, but I still have that habit today, but it's now just more in a positive direction. So it wasn't wasted time and it wasn't a wasted habit cultivated. See, the things that you need will stick with you and the things that are holding you back that you don't need fade away. And that's another whole part of this purpose process and this journey. It's, and this is actually another very interesting point. When people are trying to decide what to do and things of that nature, so when something is very significant to you, it keeps coming up over and over and over again. And I'm not talking about over a period of days. I'm talking about a period of months, years. If that same idea like, keeps coming back, then it has some significance. The shitty ideas you forget about, the trends, the things to just quickly make a buck you forget about. But the things that draw a strong reaction in you both positively and negatively, consistently, again, a pattern, over many years holds some significance in who you are, where you are, what you need and what you're trying to do. And again, more counterintuitive irony, but negative has such or an equal, if not more sometimes, significant role. So as weird as this may sound, a lot of people's purpose there's a lot of clues to be found in the things you hate and the things you resent. How often do we see people, business owners, influencers, what do they do? They had something that was wrong. Like I said earlier, maybe he has like back pain and he found a weird way to fix it, or maybe he struggled to make money. Some sort of struggle or something that people hated about society or the way the world worked or just resented. And then that ends up being the thing that they work on, work on solving. So both the positive and negative polarities affect you and you feel them. And it's all just tools to orient yourself. And imagine a big target, a bullseye board. We all start at different places around the circumference, but we're all headed towards the bullseye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great analogy. And honestly, that's just, again, I, I think that's great to sort of uh, focus on in, in the sense of 
basically like these negative experiences are just feedback to look upon and reflect upon and sort of like get you one step closer to making the right decisions basically and like okay so jumping from that you you like when we were talking you mentioned a bit upon like how sort of people are programmed in the in a sort of type of way to sort of avoid failure and uh, even be very sort of weak to resistance as well. Like, as you said, and, and there's a reason why you said it, because I think a lot of people tap out like very preemptively or, you know, at the first sign of hardship, they just have a meltdown or something. And I think that that's all programmed into culture, right? And we're all exposed to that to some extent in our, at least for a period of our lives. So how like, and this is like, this goes way beyond, you know, this conversation and like you see it all around the world at the moment. But I guess that how do you, let's say you have a lot of these things sort of programmed into you, right? Is there like, do you think there's like an efficient way to sort of reprogram yourself into the basically the exact opposite of what most people are programmed into hmm interesting question um well i think you brought up one of the probably the most crucial element to the whole equation is you can only change if you're willing to change and you can only someone like you can only talk to someone and change their opinion when they're looking to be changed when they're seeking to be changed because as we sort of said earlier good does not infringe on your free will like you have to go to it you have to make an effort negative dark forces whatever you want to call them is the opposite the whole point is here is to infringe on your free will and enslave you whereas good is to liberate you so it would be very counterintuitive if good told you what to do and that's another thing is why i often say i really don't try to get people to believe me, nor do I want people to believe me, because that would defeat the whole purpose. Imagine if somebody came, some higher beings, let's say Jesus came back and said, everybody, this is the way, this is what you need to do. Is that not the same thing as the negative? I mean, people are still enslaved. They're not making their own decisions. They're not thinking for themselves. They're not being proactive. They're being reactive. The whole reason or not the whole reason, but a significant reason, one of the primary things we're here to develop and learn is the ability to discern things and think and process and be proactive instead of reactive. And that's another reason why when you, when you have an epiphany, when you discover a truth, it's always going to be tested. There's some form of hazing process. You'll be made fun of or 
the idea will fail or you'll be reflected some sort of thing which makes you question your belief. And that's a totally normal part of the process. It tries to see, are you only going to believe when it's convenient for you? Because then that would mean you're still reactive. Or do you truly believe and have chosen this belief as being true? Now, of course, you're still open-minded, but the test is more so to see if you just flip-flop to whatever is convenient. Because then you're still, we can say, enslaved to reactivity and being told what you need to do. So one of the things we're here to develop is that, the shift to proactivity, which is much more significant than I might have maybe done justice for. So let's connect this to everything we've said so far. The purpose thing. Yes. People starting with the intention to satisfy something they lack. He wants to get money because he doesn't have money. He wants love because he doesn't have love. And again, all these things stem from a deeper thing, which is significance, feeling good enough, recognition. Really think about that. That is reactive. And this is another reason why people can't delay gratification. Because any opportunity to get that significance, recognition, stimulation is taken. Because they are reactively needing to do it. And this changes the whole thing. Now we look at the person who's on his purpose. He knows he's here to do what he's here to do. He has something to share. He has something to give. He has something to serve. What's going to happen is he's going to start accumulating money and recognition and all these things. Therefore, he has no reason to keep going. He's not desperately trying. Like, Here's a subtle distinction, which is unfortunately sad, but a lot of people keep going because they keep, there's this sort of belief that the next thing has salvation. If I make more, then there'll be, there it is. There's the happiness. I just need to do that. And then they get it. And then they just need to get, they need to get more. Then I'll be satisfied. And then they need to get more. And then, then I'll be satisfied. And the whole, we can call it hustle culture has this, I would say, twisted belief that in order to not become content and lazy, you need to always be dissatisfied. Because if you were satisfied, you would somehow stop working. And really think about that. What that means is it's still reactivity. It's still slavery. You need some sort of negative catalyst to tell you what to do. So then what is the opposite? What is proactivity? What is the person with purpose? The person with purpose has does not need to do it. He's not lacking certainty. He's not lacking feeling good enough. He's not doing it because he needs something. There's not a single reason really why he needs to do it. In very simple terms, he's operating from a place of inspiration and choosing to do it and being proactive versus a place of desperation, being reactive and needing to do it. It's a night and day difference, but it affects almost everything we do. So, yeah. So I guess that one good sort of measure to see, to sort of know yourself is see the things that you are sort of pro proactively inclined to do, right? So 
like let's say you just want to do something because so let's okay let's basically boil it down so you go through experiences right and uh, you again come from that place of reactivity and through that like one of the most valuable things you can get is through through experimentation of all of those ventures that you go through whatever they are like there there will be a thing in there that sort of intrinsically not motivates you but just pulls you right and i guess that one of the best ways to find sort of analyze where you what you what you'd like to be doing or where you'd like to go is seeing what like you want to proactively do without thinking about any outcome or like if i do this do i get this right does does that make sense Uh, again, I'm going to have to hit you with the whole ironies and paradoxes and just the humor of this whole game of life. So I don't want to put this. Um, one go of the go funny ahead. Things, go yeah, ahead one, of the, one of the funny things is, so as we said earlier, you're going to, how often do we see it, right? We've all seen it. Business owners, they make a ton of money and then they're on a podcast or like, I did it. And guys, it didn't make me happy and it didn't have what I wanted and all this and that it happens all the time. Um, and by the way, that gets confused and distorted as people to use it as an excuse to just not even try. No, 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 no. That's not, that's not the meaning of it. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I don't think neither of us are implying that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think some people, sometimes need to get that reinforced (laughs) yeah sometimes misinterpreted but here's the whole irony i was talking about so it's just very funny as you were discovering so again as we mentioned earlier you do things and then you discover what you don't like you discover that wow sleeping with everybody isn't actually fun (laughs) like i thought it would be cool but it's just yeah it's like it's kind of like just an an itch that you scratch and you're like that that was it yeah. And same thing with money. It's just money, 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 money. And then you're like, okay, but I like don't enjoy how I make it. And I'm not really like doing anything. And this is just not like you discover that it's not playing to your strengths. It's not what you're here to do. And then even further with other things like friends and all that. But the great irony is eventually, let's say you do discover your, I, I, I need to make sure I fr- like phrase this properly. Cause again, I want to make it sound like a light switch. It's more of a volume knob. Mm-hmm. So as purpose becomes more clear, in a way you're still forced to do it, but at the same time, it's a choice. So what I would mean by that is let's say you have some life saving device and just something you have to share in a way you're like forced to do it because it just feels wrong not to do it, not to serve these people, not to share the thing that you have. So in a way, you're, like you're, you're doing it by choice, but in a way you yourself limit your choices to only do that. So I don't know how to put it, but it's, it's a, it's a complex thing to explain, but 
hopefully that made some sense. Yeah. So kind of like, uh, yeah, by, by sort of committing to that purpose, you sort of uh, cut, cut off other options and could become sort of ignorant to other things that could also be in some other time frame something you'd potentially consider your purpose is that i i think that's um sort of where you're trying to get at but you so far it's been it's been great i hope you're enjoying this by the way <laughs> um yeah. i wanted to ask you now like um a, a little bit more about you know sort of your personal journey um if that's okay with you obviously but you know I know that in 2018, you were like um, on YouTube um, and then you went to Twitter and then you went on a whole different set of ventures. And now, like, where are you now? Like, what's the next, like, what's the next frame of the presentation, if, if, if that makes sense? Yeah, in terms of like career. Yeah, I mean, career, your life, where you want to go, where you'd like to be, like, just tell us about it. <laughs> yeah, so the funny thing is, I can't give details fully because something I'm building is going to be released in a way to Twitter. I do plan on coming back to YouTube and sharing more and writing more but yeah i mean that's that's where i'm at <laughs> that's awesome uh, and i guess that it's it's kind of funny right uh you start off with youtube then you went off to do other things and now you're coming back to youtube again How does that feel like, like sort of coming full circle? It's actually very funny because it plays exactly or very similarly to those three phases that we talked about earlier. So the original starting on YouTube and what really happened was I was more so and unconsciously, really, it just kind of happened. I started my YouTube channel similar to my tweets. I was just sharing my thoughts and what I was doing. But then I made a video about e-commerce and Shopify because I wanted to show people what I was doing and what was working. And it just so happened back in 2018, that keyword was just ridiculously viral. Anytime you used it, the video would get more than like 10,000 views. So all these people are pouring in saying like, yes, you're, you're the best, this, this, that. We want you to like make a course and teach us. And at the time I was like, I've just started seeing results. So I was like, yeah, let's do this. So I kind of doubled down on it, wrote the keyword. And I mean, I really said everything I needed to say. And then I reached this sort of tipping point where it was like, do I just keep going and repeat what I said and tell people what they want to hear and become this guy. And, and I was just like, no, I don't want to do that. So I'm going to leave until I have sort of refined and then more clear in what I want to share with people. Cause I know for a fact from, I mean, since a young age, I've always wanted to share what was working with me and things I've discovered through my experiences with people. 
But at that point in time, the season had sort of changed. It was now time for me to go get more experiences and then report back three and a half to four years later. Got it. So basically, you know, was so basically you you were just like, I've gotten to a point where I've kind of squeezed out all of the juice that I had to offer. And now I can either um, sort of turn into this person that will just keep repeating the same thing. You, you, you see a lot of that on, on Twitter as well. Like just people and you see it through the content when people are still speaking about the same things like six months later or one year later. And you just know that there's not, you know, a lot of action there because it's sort of like there's no evol evolution. I think the content is a, the content someone puts out is a great reflection. It like, obviously, if you just see, you know, on surface level, like, doesn't matter too much, but you're not going to get to that conclusion. But I think the content someone puts out is very reflective. Like, if you look deeper into it of where they're at, like, what mind state they're at, and, you know, if they're actively or not engaging in where they think or feel they need to go. And so basically like you, instead of like becoming that guy and eventually that die off, right? Because that's what happens when you sort of keep repeating yourself. Like people at some point, people will already internalize um everything that needed to be known or heard of and you decided to you know take on these ventures and how how did those experiences so basically you're now circling back from all of those experiences and how do you feel like those experiences you know contributed to you even though probably most of those experiences weren't sort of necessarily aligned with the purpose. In a way, everything is really the exact same thing. So people will often say an interesting thing they find about my content is that, wow, it just like relates to everything to like friendships, yourself, relationships, business, content, like what you say just applies to everything. And it's because everything's really the same thing in a way. So no matter what you do, you're able to extract insights that apply to everything. As long as you're not too focused in on like the specifics. <clears throat> what I mean is like, obviously the exact Facebook ads buttons to press <laughs> yeah. doesn't apply universally, but even that in order to successfully communicate something to others, I mean, that skill applies to everything whether you're dating, your friends, your business, everything. So with this is why I like to say nothing is actually a waste of time except for wasting time. <laughs> like yeah. you always learn something and you're developing skills that you need. And it happens, at least for me so far, the way I can connect the dots, looking back, everything has happened for a reason. Like 
I feel like it was essential to learn business and marketing before discovering the whole writing passion and ability to write because then I have the ability to distribute it if I had found the writing first and needed to learn the business later then might have been a totally different person got it so so basically yeah that that makes perfect sense man honestly like basically you were just like I so basically yeah so basically like the thing that um is is has been present the entire time is sort of the need or the passion to com- communicate things that work for you to other people and basically the 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 business and the acquiring of skills and all of that stuff is basically just sort of uh, a stepping stone so you can communicate more and better ideas to the people, which was originally what you liked doing anyway. But you sort of needed the experience because like, let's say you're just a great writer, but you don't have those experiences, then that doesn't mean anything because you'd be writing things that don't necessarily matter. So regarding that, like, how do you feel about sort of personal brands and that sort of stuff and how most people approach it? And like, I I personally think that the way you approach it is like the way it should be approached. As, As you said earlier, it should be the default, but like, what do you think about, you know, people who sort of started to, and this, again, we, we sort of already touched upon this, but like, I want your, your opinion specifically towards like the personal brands, the influencers who sort of started as like, uh, the means to whatever outcomes they want to get. Yeah, and this is something I have a lot of experience with because, I mean, over 10 years now, all sorts of different experiences, being the leader on forums, running theme pages, having various personal brands on different platforms. And there's just a lot to consider, and a lot of it depends on the person and what you're trying to do. So first of all is one of the primary questions, should should you even have a personal brand or should you just have like a theme page based around your business? And that really depends on your goals and your objectives and what you're here to do. For some people, if the number one goal is a business, I think you have the business page and then you can really just focus on that. Like the goal here is to serve people through this business, supply a demand. When you integrate that with personal brand, and this is where a lot of people, because I think it takes an advanced level of development to be able to have a personal brand. The reason I say that is because you're, attempting in a way to balance multiple conflicting intentions. And in order to get them to flow harmoniously and synergistically in the system as a whole requires a very developed person. So what I really also want to say, and I want to make sure I say this clearly, is that I feel that ignorance and bad content and things of that nature, I poke fun at it 
not necessarily as a slight or a jab at the people, but it's just the sort of design of the system in which there is just no way that good content could be produced. What do I mean by that? Various elements in the system make it impossible to produce great content. Number one is the business model in itself is priced in such a way where they need high volume of people. So because they need high volume of people, they need a lot of new people. And because they need a lot of new people, they can't really ever go too in depth with content. And they have to sort of follow trends to get as much exposure as possible. So as I said earlier, the inception determines everything. Unconsciously, of course, this happened. And just the poor design of the business model. Now this person's thoughts are now forced to think about very general beginner topics all the time. And he gets money, but at what cost? Now his brain atrophies. <laughs> He's never doing different things, which has always fascinated me in people that have that capacity to talk about the exact same thing for years. And I want to really clarify that because that's actually a huge distinction. Even me, to some extent have been talking about the same thing for years and years, but it just gets more refined and more clear every time. The goal is not to talk about everything, but when I say they keep talking about the same thing over and over again, I mean literally the same thing over and over again. I'm talking verbatim, word for word. You talk about the same concepts, like for example, let's say, let's just hypothetically say personal performance was my topic. I could talk about that for years and every time it would get better, more refined, it would change. So although I am talking about the same thing, it is changing. What I am referring to when others or what I'm referring to is the negative version of it, which is literally saying the same thing word for word. Like you'll see some people's YouTube videos when I go on YouTube. And since 2015, they've been saying the same thing. It's just, required content to like bump the algorithm and get new people to buy the product. So systems design is extremely important because if the system is not designed in a way that's win-win and a, a system is not designed in a way that really challenges you, you are the one that's going to suffer because then you're forced not to innovate. Got it. So basically you think that like even even not throwing sort of a jab at the at the business model in itself, but you think that for most people they would just be better off building things and like build, for example, a personal brand as a supplementary aspect of it, where you just get to share what you learn on the journey of building things, basically. And I honestly, I think that people would realize that like that's the best approach if they just zoomed out a little bit, right? Because if, if we're going off the assumption that most of these people are doing it for money, the validation, which is the reason why most people do it, right? Like they'd, if they just zoomed out, they'd realize that the most sort of successful personal brands never try to be sort of personal brands. Does that make sense? It's kind yeah, of like, I, I want to, I want to add a very <clears throat> important distinction here. So 
the misinterpretation I feel most people make, which just makes them turn off everything that's being said is thinking it's like some sort of thing that you do to win moral good points to like win yourself a seat in some heaven. And this is not true. It's just more so a reflection of the energy. So let me make this very, very clear distinction. The person operating from desperation and whose original inception for the idea was as a siphon to serve and fulfill the things that he lacks. The reason he needs the money is to fill those lacks, to feel significant, to feel good. Now, the person with purpose that wants to serve, they still need the money. They still need the recognition. They still need the significance, but they need it to get to the next level. The money that he makes or she makes immediately goes either back into the business or to investments or to investing in themselves. They still need the money, but the reason they need it is not to fill some starving vortex within. It's outward energy to expand what they're doing, to grow as a person, to share their product, their message, their service, their whatever. So here's a subtle distinction. The person that's doing it to fill lacks, again, they're going to struggle with delayed gratification. They're going to get money and immediately spend it on things that fill those lacks. Whereas the person who's doing it from purpose, that's just not what he's, he's not doing it for that. He already sort of has him, his own cup filled and he's just here to serve his purpose. So when he gets money, it goes back into the business, into investments for cash flow and things of that nature. Really think about that for a second, because it's a very important concept I want to touch on. You do not need to make 100% of your money from what you do. And that's a very important thing to make, or a distinction to make. I think because a lot of people rely 100% on what they do to make their living, they sort of have to find ways to get more out of it, to take more out of it, and compromise and do things that they don't like. Where in reality, if that money was invested into like cash producing assets or back into the business itself or whatever, you could actually reach a point where you don't even need to make a dollar from the business. Or you can make like, I don't know, 50,000 a year, but the cash flowing assets make way more. And you don't put all that pressure on the business. Again, that's another subtle distinction people make when they're in serving mode versus siphon mode. In serving mode, you want to take as much pressure off the audience as possible, off the buyers as possible. You handle your own shit. It's not their problem that you desperately need some stupid car that you can't afford. You can get the car when you can afford it. But for purpose man, we'll call him purpose man and non-purpose man. For purpose, man, that's ridiculous. That would slow down his mission. Hell no. The money's going right back into the business. But for no purpose, man, non-purpose, man, the whole reason he started in the first place was for the trophies, the feeling of significance and validation. So again, it looks on the surface that they're doing the same things, but it is a night and day difference. And like you touched on earlier, I, I think you said like you can sometimes read into people based on like the words they use the way they tweet and that ability is actually it is a learned skill but it is also a natural talent that some people are born with which is just being able to read into 
the energy that people are coming from, the intention that people are coming from. It's really weird once you see it. Um, Cause in that person's head, he thinks he's being cool. And then the people that can see right through it, which is like, I guess maybe a smaller percentage of the population, but the people that can see right through it, it's just like, it's cringy and embarrassing, but in his head, it looks cool. Yeah. And there's many such cases. That's, that's an expression used on Twitter. And I think it applies perfectly here. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you on that. And, I think that at the end of the day, um, it goes back to compelling versus convincing, right? And uh, I think that like you look at the the people you look up the most, and or or even people you aspire to be, and I'd say that majority of the time they were not, even if they even if they, you know, their whole thing was the, the personal brand, like they were not sort of actively doing it for the sort of things that come with it. It was always for the sharing aspect of it, if that makes sense. So it's kind of like, like, do you want to, it's kind of like, who do you want to be like, or who do you want to sort of, not mimic, but like take attributes and like um, good things from. And I think at the end of the day, it's it's like most people would be better off. Like again, because the the guys I look up to the most, and this is just myself, right? That doesn't mean it's everybody, but I'm assuming a lot of people like. The guys you look up, I personally look up the most are the, the ones that, you know, take that approach of, of sh just sharing and being in servitude mode, in a sense, because it's a lot more genuine. And again, you sort of can read into the energy. Um, and as you said, like, maybe that's something that's a specific characteristic of only a few people, but like, at, at the end of the day, you know, people can either see through it to, you know, having their own set of experiences and being around the block or just having that natural ability. And probably those are the people that uh, you should, you know, if you're going to care about some, some people, like those are probably the people that you should care about anyway. Right. In the sense of, because like, it's what you tweeted the other day about, being a follower of the followers right and um sort of how it's kind of like a, a loop of, of 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 garbage really <laughs> where you're feeding your supposed audience or following this garbage and they're just feeding it back to you <laughs> It's kind of like at the end of the day, you're you're you as an individual are the one who suffers the consequences because even though it might seem like in the metrics you are growing as an individual, it individual you're actually um, shrinking. If that makes sense. 
Totally. Yeah. So I think, I think, is, is there anything you'd like to specifically touch upon um, on this? Mm, no, I'm just flowing. Awesome. So I'm going to ask you a thing I actually asked Lobo as well. And it is in your life, right? What are some of the most significant experiences that sort of impacted you the most? Hmm. Good question. Um, let me think. I think one of them would be uh, dropping out of school, dropping out of college. I went to college for a year and a half and then I left because just on the trajectory I was on, I just did some basic math and there was no way it was going to get me the life I wanted, both like in a literal monetary sense, like it just, I, the area I live in is expensive. Um, so I was like, I just, I won't even be able to pay my rent if I go through all these four years and get the job that it entails. So I was like, I have to do something else. But the problem with that, and that this was way back before it was like the trendy, cool thing to do. And there was evidence. There was no evidence, influencers, all that back when I did it. So one of the most profound effects that had on me, which still lasts to this day, is just learning to hold true to what I believe in, even when everyone around you says no, like everyone, family members would come up like all concerned and friends thought it was weird. And, and funny enough, when you get a result, everyone all of a sudden thinks it's fine, <laughs> but that's one of them. If that makes sense. Just yeah. Holding okay. True to what you believe in pretty much like the whole world was telling me, And I'm actually, this, this, this is an analogy that was used on me. I was told if the whole world tells you a cup is blue and you say it's red, do you still think it's red? And I said, yes. And that's a very powerful frame. And people reading this might think that's just like stubborn ignorance. And in order to cultivate that level of belief, it comes as well from a level of humility. Like the only reason I'm able to be that strong in what I believe is not just out of ignorance and stubbornness, like, no, I'm right. And everyone else is wrong. It's I question it. Even, even when questioned, I still question it. And if it still holds true, it still holds true. And that's why I'm very firm with it because in a way I'm not that firm with it. Like if it's proven not true and it just doesn't make sense and it's not true for me, then I'm willing to do whatever's accurate and true for me. But if even during the questioning, and I still do, do questioning on my own, if it's still true, then I'm holding very firm. Like, I don't care if everybody tells me it's blue, it's red. And I will die believing that. And it's very interesting because when you have things that you're willing to die for is when you truly start living. And it's very ironic how the people that most are afraid of death are the ones not living. Like we talked about earlier, the way to grow your heart is to break it so then the people that are so afraid of breaking it hide so that they don't enter positions where their heart can be broken it's the people who most fear being hurt that live a life of perpetual hurt it's kind of ironic how that works yeah it's so true <laughs> like go ahead go ahead 
Oh, I was going to say just because I guess you you asked like experiences. I think another one would be just the intimate relationships. There was never any long term, very serious ones, but there was a lot of like flings here and there and just some that ended very poorly. And that was a very interesting, very interesting experience um, to go through that because so I guess like a lot of guys go through when you're younger, you know, you're like 18, 19, because men become more attractive as they age. Um, so at 18, 19, you kind of don't have anything figured out. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Really, the only guys like pulling at 18, 19 are the ones that are just like really handsome and like the athletes and maybe like the rich kids and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was... I would have like moderate results, very low results. And it was weird, but long story short, again, those experiences taught me more about socializing, about intimacy, about relationships. And it was just crazy because two years later, just like the floodgates opened and I had my little scratching of an itch period where just all I did was like hook up all the time. And it's just very interesting. And that helps affirm a belief that I like to share because what here's the crazy part. Like I looked the same. I like was equally as muscular, equally physically in appearance of attractiveness, the same, same sense of humor, pretty much even the same money to some extent. Nothing changed except my, I guess, just ability and perception of self-worth. And it changed. It was a night and day difference in results, which is another reason why I, often would say, and I've said multiple times on this episode, results don't define you, they define what you do. And that is a perfect example. Like nothing about me changed. I just changed what I was doing and I got night and day different results in my intimate life and my relationships. Wow, that's that's actually a great way to sort of put that, put some light onto that. And honestly, we kind of have similar experiences on the whole college dropout thing because I kind of went through something similar (laughs) myself. And to this day, I still hold it as like top five best decisions I've ever made. Like, and here's the thing. Like, even though there was a lot of sort of um, art break associated with that because of the consequences from dropping out, right? Um, I still look at it as like the one moment, one of the moments that I was like, I there was something I believed in. I fully committed to it. And regardless of all the set, the, the, sort of setbacks and opposition that I got from it, I still, you know, just fully committed to it. And like, I think that that's one of the best sort of um, ways or sort of mindsets you could have is just, it's, it's a very strong frame as you, as you called it. And I think having that frame, will sort of be I don't want to call it a cheat code but like having that level of conviction 
um, and even like through your own questioning is like one of the things that will sort of give you the internal resources to sort of make shit happen in in a in a scale that's much bigger than someone you know who doesn't have that sort of I don't want to call it confidence, but again, conviction, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And a very simple way I like to also put it is power moves, but is never moved. Either you move appearances or appearances move you. Either you depend on reality or your reality depends on you. And that's the really difference in having that frame and not having that frame and the whole thing we've been talking about of being proactive versus reactive do appearances move you or do you make appearances move does reality is does your life depend on you or do you depend on what life tells you some people are creating life and some people are just going on through (laughs) any input of their own yeah and, uh, you know, <laughs> I think that um, it's just one of those things, man. Like, um, it is not uh, something, it, it's like sort of a, I don't want to call it sad reality that the majority are just flowing, not flowing, like just going through it without any sort of self-awareness. But I think that, like, at the end of the day, you, I, I think if there's one thing to take off all of this is, is that like having that conviction regardless, because like when you have that conviction, right, it's sort of like if you're proven wrong, then it's, it's, it's a much bigger hit, if that makes sense, into you, right? Like, let's say you have like that level of conviction and you just follow through and you end up being proven wrong. Like, it's going to be a lot more like heavier of a hit. But at the end of the day, like you still, you know, fully believed and had the conviction to go through with it until the end, until you were proven wrong. And like just having that sort of experience will like build like levels of like resilience and character onto you that you'd never be able to get otherwise if that makes sense absolutely like it's just one of these things where um it's it's kind of like like to to be built like because at the end of the day right and i think a lot of people don't get to this conclusion but at the end of the day like everything you can lose like um in 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 the physical world right like unless you die or like you lose an arm or something right but the things that you can lose i think people put a lot of more weight on the things that you can supposedly lose than the actual weight of it because at the end of the day like you could be stripped down to nothing 
right? And like, there's a million ways to sort of recover from that, if that makes sense. Like, and then like people love to say that, you know, the, the younger you do it, the better. And that's true, obviously, to some extent. But I, I believe that any point, if like, if you like live a life of continuous um, boldness in that sense and um, conviction and just following through, like even if you lose a lot in the process, in the physical world, like maybe you lose money, maybe you like lose relationships, maybe you burn bridges, like, but the way you're going to come out the other side as like uh, an individual and the intangibles that you're going to collect throughout that journey is going to make everything one is going to one it's obviously going to make you an interesting individual regardless but two is going to make you like everything is going to become so much easier to a, a, accomplish in the physical world because you collect those intangibles throughout the way if that makes sense yeah i mean totally makes sense and like we said earlier i mean as long as you do it with intention and you reflect on it you will learn something the only way you wouldn't is if you just go through the motions and just be reckless for the sake of being reckless then no yeah and that's i think what people i think that's what people fear is that like oh it's just being reckless for the sake of being reckless so there's no like return on it and no if you're following your intuition it means there's likely something there and there's likely a reason why you're trying to do it so yeah 100 percent. what I guess what would be a final like mega question or like a grand finale to end with? Um, well, I'm, I'm trying to think of it, to be honest. could just be simple. It doesn't need to be complex. <laughs> the, best things, the best things are the most simple. Yeah, I'm trying to think right now, honestly, because I've asked you so many things and we, we've been going on for like almost two hours now about so many different topics that sort of connect with each other. Um, but I, I wanted to the, the final thing to be something, uh, again, personal. And I guess that I've already asked you a ton of those, but um sort of like where okay this is this is a good one so you you said or you've written about it or something that you're not a, you're very flexible when it comes to sort of your goals and your personal vision and that sort of contradicts what almost everybody says in the sense of, oh, you need to have like this grand vision and you need to, you know, be five planning five years ahead and one year ahead and one month ahead and all that sort of stuff. And I believe you, I might be wrong, but I believe you have sort of a complete opposite perspective on that. And I'd love for you to break that down. Like how do you, how you approach your own goals and, like, because I was, you know what I, what I was going to ask you? I was going to ask you, like, so where do you see yourself, like, in five years? But then I remembered. 
yeah, that's not, he doesn't think that way. And, and I'm very curious about why you sort of have that point of view and perception. There's a lot of components to it. So let me go into it. So as we said earlier, how purpose is sort of this spectrum that you gradually uncover. So let's just say even like the most advanced or admirable people that like really seem to know their purpose, let's say they're sort of at like 60% or above on the spectrum of knowing their purpose. How can someone plan five years out if they don't know that? Like the accuracy of what they plan is probably just going to be very off. So, and as we kind of mentioned earlier, a lot of people are in that experimentation stage where every year it's a different job. I mean, even in corporate, it's like a common thing now. Every one to two years, people are switching jobs. So that also makes it difficult to have five-year plans. Another reason is just the world changes too fast now. It's not 1990s anymore. Within a week, the whole internet can change. Things happen all the time, which just totally change everything. So there's another component. Another component is if I knew what I would be doing in five years, specifically, here's the key thing. As the vision becomes more clear, you have a general idea of what you'll be doing, a general mission statement. And doing things in those particular seasons, which best serve the mission, move things forward, and really responding in real time to what is the best decision for that season to serve your mission when you are clear, more clear on the mission aspect of it. But if I knew specifically what I was going to be doing in five years, I mean, that would be depressing to me. <laughs> I mean, everyone's, <clears throat> everyone's different, but man geez <laughs> like it would just be so depressing like the amount of growth i mean i've just personally seen on like a yearly basis it's just it, it changes so many things and things are just in a way it also just takes i guess what i'm really trying to say is that it would take all the fun out of life there would be no fun if things are guaranteed which is another here we go. All right, here we go. <laughs> Let's go. So we talked about this earlier, how people are afraid of failure. It's ridiculous. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not like discrediting it. I understand why, but hey, remember all the various, yeah, remember all the various reasons we said earlier, but then here's yet another reason on top of all of those. Your life would be so boring and you wouldn't even like it if it was guaranteed. Really think about that. The only reason something is stimulating and fun is because it's not guaranteed. Think about like when kids play fight or when you just wrestle with your friends. If you go too easy on each other, then it's boring. It's not stimulating enough. And we can call that the certainty end of the spectrum. Then on the other end of the spectrum, when you go way too hard on each other, you trigger a flight, a fight or flight mode and you're just, it's not fun anymore is scary it's intense so on both ends of the spectrum it's not fun fun is that right point on the edge where like there's not a hundred percent certainty that like nobody's going to get hurt but at the same time it's not intense enough to like trigger and you make you afraid could you imagine if like you knew for a fact four months from now what you'd be doing 
what the result of that would be. You go on a date, you know what's going to happen. The it's just I, there's no, also no way you can have authenticity at that point because the only way to, for example, like when I make a YouTube video back when I would do it back then, it would be scripted word for word. So I would really think about it, really plan it out and like script it. Whereas right now we're just talking. So there's imperfections in here, but yeah. imperfections are what are true. Like imperfections are inauthentic. So maybe I'm adding way too much to, to this uh, response. No, 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 I'll just, I love it. Yeah. There's just so many, there's so many levels to it. So yeah, I mean, if I was doing the same, cause again, as we mentioned earlier, one of the main things everyone's here to do is evolve, grow, experience new things. So if you were doing the same thing or knew clearly what you were going to do five years from now, it, I mean, what are you doing? Probably <laughs> something monotonous. Yeah. That's not really growing you. So the balance is having that sort of general overall purpose, which is, yeah, I know the types of things I'm going to be doing in the overall mission. But when that time comes, when that season comes, when that year comes and when that month comes, I'll have a much more clear indication. So that's why I've historically not liked the answer of like, Oh, what's your five-year plan type of thing. Yeah. Not a fan of that question. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I was gonna like, not necessarily gonna, I was, I was gonna ask you that, but then I was like, no, <laughs> you know because yeah. I, I have a similar thought process regarding that like I have a similar thought process to that in almost a lot of the things that I actually do where it's kind of like I'm not a big fan of big plans and like structure and if that makes sense because I follow a lot of intuition and because of that obviously I sometimes either get disappointed or heartbroken like it has happened many times but i i guess that it just makes life a lot more exciting right and a lot more fun and a lot more flexible and like i guess that like there's there's this tweet i think it was ted who wrote it but like i think when you obsess too much about performance and structure and routine you suck the entire joy and personality out of yourself if that makes sense yeah and the power i mean it's kind of just puts you in a box yeah exactly <laughs> well um I, yeah i guess that was it but that was a, a very cool response and definitely resonated to be honest <laughs> um well any last words you'd like to drop before we close this out? Um, no, nothing in particular. Just check out my Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. USXP. Yeah. Make sure you guys check out uh, Use on Twitter, um, as he said. And uh, USXP, that's the handle. And uh, Use, thank you so much for coming on, man. And uh, I had a ton of fun this was very i again i didn't have any questions sort of prepared or like um 
everything sort of came off the top of my head, but I hope you enjoy that, to be honest. Yeah, it was great. Um, well, thank you, bro, for, for coming on. Um, I should probably post this tomorrow. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, next week, uh, next Friday, I'll be dropping another one of these. And uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy that. And uh, I'll see you guys on the next one. Peace.